praise you, God. Heavenly Father, we just stand before you in awe today. God, what a privilege and what a time to be alive. God, as we just sang that song, God, I just thought of those of the Old Testament, under the Old Covenant, Lord, who lived with a shadow of what was to come. God, as we read in those Old Testament, all those faithful characters, Lord, we, we see that they had a hope in what was to come, not knowing, God, what it would be. There was a foreshadowing, a foretaste. Lord, we think now of the Old Testament, God, as your, as your Son, Jesus Christ, came and dwelt among us, God, and, and we saw yet a glimpse of what was to come, Lord. And, and Paul, as he talks about this mystery, God, of how the God of heaven is, is combining the Old Covenant and the New Covenant, God, and, and how we were going to be saved under this, this system, God, that uh, isn't of lambs and bulls and sacrifices and the behavior of God of trying to earn our way and trying to keep the law. Lord God, they could only catch a glimpse of what was to come. And yet, then you sent your Holy Spirit the Holy Spirit who indwells us, all who believes and reveals to us this mystery that God truly is among us. And Lord, so today we live in this place of undeserved privilege, God, of being in relationship with you. Lord, of being in this place of, of knowing what it is that you promised. God, it's not a foreshadowing. We, we know your promises. God, we know that you have come and that in your coming that you brought salvation, this gift of, of wholeness to us, Lord God. And yet you said that you are returning to the Father, but you're going to return again one day, God. We've seen the mystery spelled out. And now we're just in the waiting. Now we're just in that waiting period, God, for the, all the fulfillment of your promises to come true. And so, God, I pray in the waiting today that we wouldn't lose hope. God, I pray in the waiting today that we wouldn't be distracted and forget what it is we're really waiting for. God, I pray that today we wouldn't just think in the waiting that there's a future event that's coming, but we realize that this gift of relationship with you is an everyday gift. God, and so even in this place right now, your spirit is in this place. And so I pray that your presence would be so tangible. God, I pray right now that you're speaking to us. God, I pray for our guests today. God, this might be their first time in church or the first time in a long time. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would just set them at ease to know, Lord, that it's you speaking to them, that you're drawing them to yourself, God, as we unpack uh, your word in just a moment. God, give us all ears to understand and a heart to receive uh, what it is that you have for us today. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you, church. You can be seated this morning. And uh, we're just so glad to have you in church today. Uh, my name is Jeremy, and I get the privilege of being uh, the lead pastor here. You might not have recognized me with my beard shaved off. Someone's like, oh, you shaved your beard. I know sometimes I want to look a little younger, Pastor Ralph. And so I do that. And uh, I said to them, you know, I don't really consider myself like a beard person. I don't, I'm not someone who has a beard. I'm kind of more of someone who has stubble of varying lengths, depending on how uh, lazy I've been that week. So that's just a little bit about me. We're still getting to know each other, eh? A uh, year in, you get to know all my secrets. I thought they were going to bring my notepad, my pad to me, but here we go. <laughs> Got to stick to the notes or else we'll be here all day. Are you having fun today in church? Yeah. Wasn't it so great to see the kids? I just love seeing the kids and all the kids ministry workers who invest in them downstairs every week. Uh, there's a lot of them, and they have a lot of energy, and so I love that. It's great. I love all the kids workers who invest in that generation. 
Uh, hey, do you have a favorite Christmas carol? Anyone have a favorite Christmas carol? Anyone? What's your favorite? Yeah, yell it out to me. Tell me what your favorite Christmas carol is. Silent Night, okay, it's popular. Hark the Herald. Oh, Holy Night. All I want for Christmas is you. <laughs> You're a mean one, Mr. Grit. That's awesome. My, I heard someone over here say it. My favorite is Oh, Holy Night. Now, I didn't, get, I didn't get to request, I didn't get my request early enough in the week for the, the worship team to practice. But I love Oh Holy Night, originally written in French. Did you know that? It was a poem and then set to music in 1855. 1855. Now, you know, I just, there's some pastors who just have that gift of, of singing. And I was just going to sing this song for you today. But, you know, they, they say that you got to know your role and they got to stay in your lane. And so I... I can't really sing this on my own. This is the secret. If I start singing, there's like instructions at the sound booth that they know you got to hit the red mute button. If Pastor Jerry, that's a real thing, okay? But I thought maybe if you were to sing with me that maybe they wouldn't notice that I was singing, okay? Let's sing this song together, okay? Would you sing this? It's my favorite song. Oh, holy night, the stars are brightly shining. It is the night of our dear Savior's birth. I love it. Long lay the world in sin and adoration. Oh yeah, see I lost the words already. He appeared and the soul felt its worth. The thrill of hope. The weary soul rejoices for yonder breaks. A new and ready. This is the part that gets me every time. Fall on your knees, oh, hear the angels' voices, oh, night divine, oh, night when Christ was born. Oh, night. Ready, Mariah Carey? Divine, oh, night. When night divine. Thank you. Thank you for singing that with me today. Now you know why they don't let me lead worship. You better pray that Pastor Holly doesn't get sick this Christmas. It's going to be good. That's my favorite carol. Like, it gets me in the feels every time, right? When you get to that spot, oh, nice. You got to get that 80s rock stance. Like, just divine. You just got that, like, oh, it just gets me right there every time. Uh, but I, not only is it an amazing song, but I actually have another reason why I love that song. Uh, Back in the 70s and 80s, there was a man named John Howitt. And John Howitt had his own cleaning company. Uh, he had a cleaning company. They would go into office buildings uh, after hours, and they would clean all the office spaces. And so John Howitt, he'd had this business for a while, and uh, he'd uh, built a team, and he had all his employees. And so he was kind of at the place of owning this business that he didn't really have to do the jobs that he didn't want to do anymore. How many aspire to one day be that guy, you know, to be that woman where you're like the boss, 
and you don't have to do the things that you don't want to do, right? And so he had earned that place and he had this crew, but John was not above doing anything that he asked his staff to do. And in fact, he would often get on the rubber gloves, you know, the yellow rubber gloves that come up to your elbows. He would often get those on and he would go down and he would begin to scrub the toilets with his crew. His humility and his willingness to get involved and to kind of humble himself to that level really made a big impression on some of his young employees. And that's what opened the door for uh, John to share his faith with some of his younger employees. And, and that's really what opened the door and, and deepened the relationship for John to share with my dad about his faith in Jesus. That's what opened the door for him to, to befriend and speak life into my dad and introduce him to the Lord. And, uh, and so he humbled himself to deepen the relationship. So one Christmas, uh, you know, having this relationship, John invited my dad to come to the Christmas Eve service at his church. And that night, my dad heard that song, Oh Holy Night. And as he sat and he listened to those lyrics, that resonated with him. And he went home and, and invited Jesus into his life to be his Lord and Savior. And so that story, that song has significant meaning to me. Not only does it get me that all oh, the music is so good and the lyrics are so good, but, but I love what it represents to me and my family. Uh, have you ever had that person invest in you, encourage you, who saw more in you than you saw in yourself? And, you know, someone who you kind of felt privileged to be friends with. You ever had someone you felt privileged to be friends with? You know, like some people were just like, they're so lucky they should be friends with me, Right? <laughs> But then there's some people where you're just like, man, it just it blows me away that that person opens their life to me, that they invest in me, that they open that relationship to me. They humble themselves to deepen their relationship. We've all actually have a relationship like that. In Philippians 2, verse 5, it says, you must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges and took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. God himself humbled himself to open and to deepen that relationship with you and with me. Like the birth of Jesus reminds us that God says to us, I'll take the first step. I'll take the first step in this relationship with you. I'll make the first move. Isn't that incredible? That the God who created this universe humbled himself to the point of saying, I, I want to reach out to you. Jesus, as says, left his home in, uh, in heaven, the immunity of his home to come, to be born into a stable, to be born into a manger, not a palace fit for a king. And we see in the incarnation that Jesus uh, became vulnerable. God did not leave the throne of heaven uh, to, you know, rule and reign with his might on earth. It says that he became vulnerable as a human infant. A human infant with all its dependence on others. I was thinking about dieting this couple this week. I don't, I don't, well, that's just a personal reflection on dieting. I was thinking, you know, we have a, a dog. Well, I, I just said we. <laughs> I guess I'm owning it. I'm owning it, okay, people? We have a dog. It's no longer their dog, it's our dog, I guess. And so I was looking at this dog, and I was realizing it only gets fed when we eat it, when we feed it. <laughs> so, <laughs> we don't eat it. It only gets fed when we feed it, twice a day. And I thought, 
what a great diet plan. If you could only eat when someone fed you, you know, and then you would walk around the house all day looking hungry and like, you, you know, we were always asking, has the dog been fed? Because it's kind of moping around looking for more. What a great diet plan. But, uh, but how did I get there? Oh, Jesus <laughs> came as this infant, vulnerable with all the dependencies of a human infant. What a place and position for the creator of the universe to be. He subjected himself to all the hardships and uncertainties of life. Uh, imagine, the Bible says that Jesus experienced thirst and hunger, uh, experienced poverty and oppression. He experienced rejection, anger, sadness, loss. In the incarnation, Jesus experienced everything that you and I experienced. He humbled himself to deepen the relationship with us. But here's what the Christmas celebration is all about. Christmas is a celebration of the fact that God doesn't love us from a distance. God doesn't love us from a distance. He draws near. He draws near and opens the door of a relationship. He steps into our world. He steps into our mess, into our pain, and into our brokenness, and he brings healing and wholeness. He brings hope and freedom. If you've experienced that, let me hear a, a big amen this morning. You know, we've been in this series that we've called Christmas Unwrapped. And, you know, it looks so beautiful. We have all the presents and the boxes symbolic of the season that we live in. But as we unwrap all of this packaging and all the wonder and all the mystery, we actually experience at the core that there's so much more to the Christmas story under the layers of festivity. You know, instead of getting so wrapped up in all the social obligations and the cultural expectations and how we know we have our own idealism and the idealism of other people in our family to deal with, instead of getting all stressed out, we need to unwrap ourselves from all of that and get back to the true basics of what Christmas is all about. Last week we shared that the best way to beat Christmas stress is to stress what's most important about Christmas. And so that's what we've been doing. You know, throughout this series, we've been recognizing that this season is it's about so much more than family gatherings and, and gift giving and generosity to our community. It's more than school plays and, uh, you know, work parties and time off work. And, 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 and it's more than all of that. You know, for some of us, the season, we, we recognize that it, it doesn't conjure up all the warm fuzzies. It doesn't conjure up all the nostalgia. Instead, there's a lot of other emotions. Maybe it highlights a season or a feeling of grief or sadness. You know, maybe there's a loss of relationships and people and circumstances and, and you're mourning those things. And maybe your thoughts are, are more concerned, consumed less with the festivity of the season and more about the worry and the concerns of the situations and circumstances that are beyond your control. Can I encourage you today that whether it's like the highlight of the year for you or whether it just is one of those seasons that kind of brings up all of those other emotions, I want you to know this morning that the joy of Christmas and the wonder of Christmas is for you. Whichever camp you find yourself in, the joy and the wonder of the Christmas is still for you because as we unwrap all of that stuff and we get to the core of it all, we see God's gift not wrapped in paper and ribbon, but wrapped in nondescript strips of cloth. Luke 2, 12 says, this will be a sign to you. You'll find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. 
You know, as we unwrap ourselves from all the commercialism and all the materialism, and even from the sadness and heaviness the season can bring, we unwrap this gift, this gift that God has given us in Jesus, and we realize what really makes this season truly wonderful. You know, so throughout this series, we've been looking at the different expressions of Jesus as portrayed in the Christmas story. In week one, we saw that Jesus was the Son of God. And as the Son of God, Jesus came to reveal God's gift of sonship to you and I, men and women all together. We talked about sonship being the bestowing of relationship and the full access to God and, and participation in the family of God. That's what Jesus brings to us as the Son of God. Last week, we talked about Jesus as Emmanuel, God's gift of presence to us, that he will never leave us or forsake us, but that he leads us every step of the way. And so we're going to continue on today in week three. I want to invite you to turn with me to Luke chapter two as we unwrap another layer of Jesus and we reveal his gift to us. Luke chapter two, a little bit of reading today, verse one. At that time, the Roman Emperor Augustus directed that a census should be taken throughout the Roman Empire. This was the first census taken while Quirinius was governor of Syria. And all returned to their own ancestral towns to register for the census. And because Joseph was a descendant of King David, he had to go to Bethlehem in Judea, David's ancient home. And he traveled there from the village of Nazareth in Galilee. He took with him Mary, to whom he was engaged, who was now expecting a child. And while they were there, the time came for her baby to be born. She gave birth to her firstborn son, and she wrapped him snugly in strips of cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no lodging for them. So over the past couple of weeks, you know, I've shared with you that I just love everything about Christmas. I love the, the you know, the, the whimsy, and I love all, like, the, the nostalgia. I love the decor. I really love the Christmas baking a little too much. Uh, but we'll deal with that in January, right? And so I love all of that. Everything except for the glitter. Hate the glitter. Uh, I don't think glitter is necessary to celebrate Christmas, but it just kind of comes, you know, with the whole package. Uh, but there was none of that as we read this story, was there? There's no nostalgia, no ambiance, no decor, no atmosphere, no classic Christmas songs. Not even Mariah Carey was around at this point, right? No wise man with baby shower gifts. That's what we heard last week. You know, they're still at the end of the mantle, Pastor Ralph, right? They haven't arrived yet. No baby shower for the baby Jesus. No hype, no fanfare, no festivity, just a baby wrapped in strips of cloth. Verse 8 says, that night, there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. Suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared around, among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them, and they were terrified. <laughs> I love the Bible, right? Like, I just love how it's so, sometimes so, uh, like, you know, just, you know, under, under, under said, you know, Right? Like, the angels appear, it just says, the radiance of the Lord's glory. I don't even know what that looks like. I can imagine the radiance, and I said, they were terrified. Like, you think, right? Like, this definitely, though, wasn't the perfect setting for a historic, world-changing announcement, right? Like, I don't know who's the PR department in heaven, but they got it all wrong on this one, right? They had this world-changing announcement, and they said, let's do it in a field at night. No crowd. No press, no audience, just some sheep and a few shepherds working the night shift. 
We're going to make an announcement that's going to change the world and change the course of history. I, I don't know. I'm just thinking like the PR department, like maybe the time for a shuffle up there or something. I don't know. <laughs> Suddenly the angels burst on the scene and they disrupt the serenity of the night. It says that they're surrounded by the radiance of God's glory. Sounds incredible. Majestic. Breathtaking. And terrifying all at the same time. <laughs> you know, I can just picture like the shepherds like, what is happening right now? Like, who made these brownies? <laughs> I'm joking. I just said, I'm in trouble today, Ralph. I'm singing and I'm joking. I apologize. Okay, let's get back to the word of God. Verse 10. The angel reassured them. It's real. It's real. Don't be afraid, he said. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. And you will recognize him by the sign. You will find the baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth. And lying in the manger. Suddenly the angel was joined by a vast host of others. The armies of heaven praising God and saying, Glory to God in highest heaven and peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. I want you to, to just really focus in on this announcement for a moment. Good news to all people. Good news to all people. Joy to all people. You know, that's a tall order for people who tend to think their joy is tied to their happiness, right? To who's, they, we tend to tie our joy to our feelings, to our circumstances. We tend to uh, associate our peace with the security of our circumstances, right? When we, everything is going according to plan, we're at peace and we have joy. But when there's disruption, we find ourselves disrupted and anxious, Here's the thing, when we allow our wealth and our achievements and our acceptance and our success to be our source of joy, we also give those things the opportunity to steal our joy, right? Uh, when our joy comes from our circumstances, that's all good and fine until our circumstances change and then we find our joy is gone. And yet we see here that the angel says there is a source of joy for all people. See, when joy is based on something outside of these things, we discover that, that they can be easily taken away. But when our joy is in something different, when our joy is not in our circumstances, not in our success, not in our achievements, our joy can't be taken away. And that's what leads to peace, peace of heart and peace of mind. He says, this is going to be good news, joy to all people, the Savior. Everyone say Savior. The Messiah, the Lord, has been born. Christmas, this nativity scene, this baby Jesus wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger is a powerful reminder that joy can always be found in less than perfect circumstances. Joy can always be found in less than perfect circumstances because joy is found in Jesus. What a beautiful image, isn't it? of the degree to which the creator of the universe and the sustainer of life took the first step towards us, 
humbled himself to deepen the relationship with you and with me. You know, it's been said before that if our greatest need was good health, that God would have sent a doctor. Right? If our greatest need as a society was greater technology, then God would have sent a scientist. Right? If our greatest need was for more money, then God would have sent an economist. Not a politician, that's for sure, right? If God, our greatest need was pleasure, God would have sent an entertainer. And yet we see what our greatest need is because God sent us a Savior. A Savior. What is a Savior? A savior is essentially someone who saves those who can't save themselves. Right? A, a, a lifeguard is a Savior whose actions rescue that child from drowning in a pool. Right? A, a surgeon is a savior whose trained hands and, and, uh, and equipping can save someone from the otherwise fatal heart attack. Right? A savior is one who uh, saves those who can't save themselves. Jesus, the angel said, is a savior born to all people. The question then is saved from what? Saved for what? Saved to what? Matthew chapter 1, the passage we read last week, the angels and their divine revelation to Joseph uh, made specific instructions about this miracle child who was to be born. And, and we read last week that the angel said that she will have a son and you are to name him for he will his people from their sins. Jesus, the very name, means the Lord saves. You know, sin, while we tend to think of it as specific actions or acts and deeds that hurt others or ourselves, we, it's much deeper than that. Sin is our thoughts and our motives. It's really our orientation away from the plans and purposes of God for our lives. Sin isn't just the deeds we do, but it's an orientation of our heart and our mind and our will away from God, away from God's leading and lordship and towards our own autonomy, towards the leading of ourselves apart from God. That's what we see in the book of Genesis and the Adam and Eve as they, it wasn't really so much about the fruit that they ate, it was about the orientation of their life away from God's plans and purposes and towards their own autonomy for their own life. The Bible says that we all do it. We all take the reins to our lives and we lead ourselves and we follow our own whims and our own desires and our own hearts. And when we do, we settle for less than God intended for us. Romans 3.23 says, For everyone has sinned and we all fall short of God's glorious standard. Well, since we're all in this place, right, it might seem to us, well, what's the big deal then? Like, we all do it. No one's perfect, right? But the thing is that our comparison isn't with each other. Our comparison is with the righteousness and the holiness of the God we serve, with our sinless God. And, and we see in Scripture that it's our sin that separates us from the perfection and the righteousness of God. Isaiah 59.2 said, It's your sins that have cut you off from God. Because of your sins, he has turned away and will not listen anymore. 
See, our sin, this orientation, really is our orientation away from God and from his perfection and holiness. The Bible says that God is light and in him there's no darkness. And the Bible says what fellowship has light and darkness, that, that in God's perfection that he can't have the presence of sin uh, in relationship with him. And the Bible says there's nothing we can do on our own to overcome this, you know? Uh, if, we, if we could, we wouldn't be in need of a savior and yet God wraps this gift and he sends it to us and says, this is my gift to you, joy that will, a gift that will bring joy to all nations. Tonight, a savior has been born. God did for us what we couldn't do for ourselves. Romans 5 verse 8 uh, through 11 says, God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. Uh, I saw one of the guys from our church this morning, he was always posting some good stuff on Facebook, and uh, this morning he's, he was just saying, you know, maybe we shouldn't ask each other what we want for Christmas, but we should ask, what do you need for Christmas, right? And, and, and thinking of that question, you know, God doesn't ask us, what do you want for Christmas? He says, what do you need for Christmas? And he says, in his great love, he sent Christ to die for us while we were still sinners, and our friendship with God was restored by the death of his son. So now we can rejoice in our wonderful new relationship with God because our Lord Jesus Christ has made us friends with God. Let's read one more verse and then we'll come back. Romans 6, 23 says, The wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. You know, I asked this question a minute ago, what are we saved from? What are we saved for? What are we saved to? And a lot of times we think about this in terms of what are we saved from? What are we saved from? We talk about our sins separating us from God. We think about what are the wages of sin is death. And so we know, and if you're familiar at all with, with the scriptural context, death uh, is physical death, but it's also spiritual death. Spiritual death is really described as separation from God. We live separate from God in this life, and eventually we will live separate from God for eternity. That's what hell is. Separation from God for eternity. Separation from the goodness and the love and all the things that are represented in God for eternity. That's what hell is. When people say, do you think I'm going to go to hell? That's that kind of place where, like, I, I, I don't want you to. I, but if I'm being honest, the trajectory of living life separate from God in this life means that we will live separate from God for eternity. That's essentially what hell is. Is. And so we think about this in terms of being saved from hell, being saved from the punishment of our sin, which is death. And, and that's so true. But I want us to focus on something a little bit different this morning. I want us to ask the question, not what am I saved from? Today, my goal and my plan is not to scare you into the kingdom of heaven. I not, my goal is not to say that you either turn or burn, right? That's kind of like, that's not the goal of this message. What are we saved from? That's important. But we see here also in this context, what are we saved to? What are we saved to? It says here that our friendship with God was restored by the death of a son. Not only were we rescued from the wages of sin, the punishment of our sin, but we were saved to a relationship, restored to a relationship that God desires to have for us. 
What is the purpose of salvation? Jesus came, yes, to seek and to save the lost, to rescue them, but not just to rescue them and save them from something, but to save them to something, to restore relationship with God. That's the good news of the gospel. That's the good news is that God has restored relationship with us. That's the gift of God, not the get out of hell free card. That's not the gift. That's a byproduct. The gift of God is relationship with the God who loves you, created you, and has restored you. Amen? Amen. Here's the thing about gifts. Gifts, like any other, have to be received. And these are all fake gifts over here. I'll just admit that to you. But I have a real gift that I put under the tree this morning. And I have this gift, and I'd like to give it to someone today. Anyone want this gift? One person at the back, yeah, a couple people over there, good. Oh, one over here, yeah, you're looking eager. There's a few people that want this gift. This is a good gift. Like, what I put in here is good. Like, you, you could use this, you, you would want this. If I gave this to you, you'd be happy to have it. Anybody want this gift? A, cu- a couple more. It's funny, right? Because I told you this is a good gift. I told you I want to give this gift to you. But not everyone put their hand up and said, I want that gift. Right? Why would you not want what's in here? Right? Why would you not want it? Right? Because you might look at him and go, well, what's the catch? (laughs) Right? You go, oh, he's probably going to make me go up there and I'll be embarrassed in front of everyone to get it. Right? Maybe maybe that's what it is. Right? I I don't want to be embarrassed. Uh, uh, I don't know if he's even telling the truth. Like, maybe he's just got some toilet paper wrapped up in there. There's something, there's some catch to, you need toilet, over here, you need toilet paper? You ran out this morning, okay, good. (laughs) I have this gift, and I'm offering it to you, and a smattering of you put it up, you kind of like, yeah, I'll take it if you're getting rid of it, like, I'll take it, don't know what it is, but I'll, right? Right, I, I promise you, it's a good gift. Who wants this gift? A few, but still, not everybody. Still not everybody. Right? Like, this is what I don't understand. Like, here's the thing. God offers us a gift. And he says, this is a good gift. The creator of the world is offering us a gift. This is the gift of grace. This is a gift of forgiveness. This is a gift of restoration and wholeness. This is a gift of eternal life. This is a gift of restored relationship with God. And he says, who wants it? And yet only a few people say, I'll take it. I, I can relate. I go to the mall sometimes, and there's always a little kiosk in the middle of the mall. And they're always like, sir, sir, take this. And they have like the little free samples. You know, how personal are we getting? I'm already in. I've already made too many jokes. Okay, I'm all in already today, okay? This is like unfiltered Sunday at church or something. But here's the thing. Have you ever gone and they have like that, like the nail file thing, like there's a nail file kiosk and they always say, sir, come over here. And you know what? I love to get my, my fingernails buffed. They come and they, they buff it and they get, and then they like, you know, put the shine thing on it. Like, like, okay, like I don't get pedicures except for at the mall kiosk. And then, and they, and they, they say, do this some. And I'm like, cool, can you do this one too? You know? Because then I just walk around the mall and I just do this. It just feels so good. I don't know what it is. It's like a tactile, like, 
But then he says, sir, do you want this buffer for your wife? And I said, no, don't want it, right? <laughs> As I'm walking away, don't want it. Whatever you have, you know, they're kind of chasing you. Sir, like, here's some samples. Nope, don't want it. Whatever it is, don't care, don't want it, right? And, and jokingly, we, I say that, but, but sometimes that's what we do with this free gift of God. We're like, but, but it's free. Nope, don't want it, right? But, but it's, it's, it's useful. You can, this will change your life. Nope, I, I don't even care what it is. I don't want it, right? That's how our society acts sometimes. Well, I, I do have to give this gift away. Who wants this gift? Everybody. You're still not all putting your hands up. Okay, I'm going to come over here. I'm just going to give this gift right over here. Here you go. I saw you had your hand up there. There you go. Congratulations. Thank you so much. <clears throat> Enjoy dinner for two at Boston Pizza. That's what you right? How many wish you would have put your hand up for the gift? I'm just saying, right? Here's the thing. People refuse the gift of salvation that God has given. Like I said a moment ago, the Bible says that it has eternal implications. It has this eternal implications that when we orient our lives away from God, the eternal consequence of that is that we will be without God for eternity. The Bible says our names are written in the Lamb's book of life. When we've received that gift, we receive that gift of salvation. We're saved from something, but we're also saved to something. Eternal life with the one who gives us life. Friends, maybe you've never received this gift of eternal life before. Maybe you're here today and you're like, I just came to see the kids. I didn't know we were going to get so like, heavy and personal, you know? Maybe you're here and you're like, this is my one time a year I came to church. I get it. I get it. But here's the thing I'm telling you today. That Jesus is real. Eternity is real. Heaven is real. And the gift of salvation through Jesus Christ is real for you and for me today. As we unwrap Christmas, that's what it's all about. It's about putting our faith in Jesus. Putting our faith in Jesus. It doesn't matter what you've done, where you've come from, who you are. We see that that baby did not stay in the manger. We see that that baby came and grew up to reveal to us the ways and the teachings and the plans and the purposes of God for eternity. And that baby went to the cross. The baby died that death in our place so that we could receive this free gift of salvation from God. We're not just saved from something today, but I want you to really catch this. We're saved to something. We're saved to something that the God of the universe is saying to you today, I want relationship with you. I want restored relationship. I want to speak to you. I want to lead you. I want to guide you. I want to bring you peace. I want to bring you hope. I want to bring you healing and wholeness. Right now you might be thinking, I don't even know what that looks like. I don't even know if that's true. But all across this room, maybe just throw up your hand if you said, hey, I've experienced that. I've experienced that to be true. Would you just throw your hand up and you say, yeah, I've experienced the power of Jesus at work in my life this morning, testimony all across this room. Well, I'm going to invite the band to come at this time. I want to just to take a moment as we reflect on this God of the universe who humbled himself to deepen the relationship that God who took that first step towards us and now invites us to consider what we'll do with our next step. I love in James, it says, draw near to God and God will draw near to you. 
God took the first step, and he's waiting and inviting us to take that second step. Uh, One day, this angel said to the shepherds that one day every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And and we wouldn't want to wait until it's too late. We don't want to wait until we're on our deathbed to make that revelation. We don't want to wait till that final judgment day to recognize that Jesus is Lord when it was right in front of us all of this time. You can experience this great joy today. Today, maybe you're like, well, I'm, I'm a pretty good person. I'm sure you are. It's not about that, right? It's about this relationship that God desires to have with us. Here's the thing. God never intended a conversation about eternity to be threatening. He never intended it to be this daunting thing. The angel said this, the good news will bring great joy to people. The Savior has been born. The Savior has been born today. Would you bow your heads and pray with me this morning? Heavenly Father, I just thank you for this incredible gift we have in Jesus. Lord, I just thank you, God, for this Prince of Peace who comes into the imperfect situations and reminds us, God, that our circumstances aren't the source of our joy. Everything going according to plan isn't the source of our joy. Our accomplishments and our material uh, possession, our achievements aren't the source of joy. But there's good news that the God of heaven who created this world has come and restored relationship with us that we can know you in your fullness and in your glory, both in this life and for eternity. That's the source of joy. And so today I pray for healing and wholeness in this place that begins with making that decision to reorient our lives, to reorient our lives away from leading ourselves and letting you lead us, to turning back from uh, allowing us to following the whims and the desires of our hearts and the sin uh, that we end up in, Lord, and reorienting our lives to following your plans and purpose for us. I pray that it would begin afresh today for some people in this place. Good news that brings great joy to all people. The Savior has been born. Church, we're going to celebrate communion in just a moment. And uh, if you haven't yet got your...